Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to season five, take two of episode five of the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. As y'all know, it's been a crapshoot of a year so far. Kim's family had hospital-related stuff. Then my family had hospital-related stuff. And we just really need to stop that. (laughs) We do. And if I never see a hospital, the inside of a hospital again, especially the emergency room, I think I'd be good. Feel that. Feel that. Three visits in one month was more than enough. That's all I have to say. I am so done. That night, I just want to sleep again. I've stopped. I haven't been sleeping because of all of this. I want to sleep. I want my sleep back. Me too. Darned it. Me too. But yes, it has definitely been a year. Um, And it's only February February. Recording this on the eighth. Like Jesus, Kim. Jesus. It's only. It hasn't even been forty days. (laughs) That's not even forty days. I, I know. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I give up. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Okay, but we think everyone is healthy again, like, for now. So, thanks for being here. Fingers crossed, us. toes crossed, everything <laughs> crossed. <laughs> for real. And thank you all for the positive vibes. We've gotten a couple of you out on our Discord who've had a lot of really wonderful things to say. And it is so appreciated and so... I, I appreciate that you all are there. I appreciate that you guys you know, said what you said. So thank you. I know Kelsey does. Yeah. We appreciate that you guys were just understanding. It's trust me when I say this last, the last couple of weeks were not how I planned things to go. So yeah, like when we said we were going to cut down to two episodes a month for like our mental health, we thought that was going to take care of the problem. And then the planet just was like, mental health, fuck that. We're just going to fuck everybody's health in general. Like, good luck even getting your two episodes out. Like, it's just been whack. Like, we really yeah. did not see this coming. You know, full moon, Mercury in retrograde. For real. <laughs> just like, what the fuck happened? For real. I've been trying to remember if I broke any mirrors, anything that resembled a mirror. Like, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I know. I'm with, girl, I'm with you. <laughs> I am so with you on that. I understand. Well, with that, today we bring you another short episode, again, just until we get back into the swing of things, um, but longer than the last, which yes. thank you for listening to our hilarious little mini-sode. We got some actually good feedback, and I appreciate that you guys appreciated it, and it made you giggle. Um, but in this episode, we will cover chapters 20 and 21 of A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah G. Mass. And, as always... This podcast is not for little ears. In fact, we've marked these episodes as explicit from here on out for this book. Because isn't it obvious? It's (laughs) a little spicy. Didn't we already cuss a bunch in the last three minutes? Yes, we did. (laughs) And that doesn't even take the spice into account. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) hello. Okay, so Kim, hit us with uh, chapter 20. Chapters 20 and 21 are kind of weird. <laughs> Good stuff. A uh, little, little, little dumpy, little, you know, uh, word vomity. Uh, some yeah. people say some stupid fucking shit that I don't think anybody realized was like, st- like, I don't think SJM was like, I'm going to make this awkward. Like, I don't think she thought she was doing that. 
I don't know if even everybody reads chapter 21 as awkward, but I sure as fuck do. <laughs> it, it was. And really quick, I do want to put out there before I start chapter 20, y'all, that we are going to hold off on the songs. Oh, yes. <laughs> till we get to the end of part one, which is only a couple more chapters, because initially that was going to be this whole episode. Yeah. And since we've broken it into smaller ones, we're just going to hold the songs to the very end. Um, so if you have any song suggestions, feel free to throw them out there to us before you get to the end of part one, because um, I have to tell you, we have some really good got ones quite so a list. far. Yeah. But we'll always take more. We will happily take more. Can you believe that there was a time that you and I believed we were going to get from 19 to 24 in one go? And then the earth said, fuck you! <laughs> we did it. Repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay, so chapter 20, carry on. <laughs> chapter 20. So chapter 20 is... Oh, chapter 20 is just awkward. Um... This it whole starts off. Awkward. It really is. Well, you know, it starts off because Nesta is is feeling so awkward and uncomfortable. She can barely be around Cassian, and they're flying over the city from the House of Wind down to the River House. And you'd think some people who did some stuff could talk, but apparently, no. This is apparently, apparently not. not an option. Um, we do get we for for a timing thing we do know that they've been up at the house now for two weeks oh so, good call yep kind of important i do want to kind of note this out because time gets really fluid in this book at times it, yeah you and i were talking about that last time i think and which means we were pretty close because i'm pretty sure we were talking about like it? 10 days i, I, was saying, I don't know if we talked days. about it online or offline but yeah we we were saying we were in like a 10 day type mm -hmm. situation so we were close so yeah now some more time has passed and it's two weeks yeah fair yeah so two weeks so 10 days two weeks hey that's not bad we we took a nice stab not in the dark for guesstimating <laughs> yeah um it does you know the book in here it does say you know as they're flying towards the river house, Nesta realizes after two weeks up at the House of Wind, the city below them looms large, too loud, and too full of people. I'm not sure what to make of that. It's how we all felt after the first two weeks in quarantine back in 2020. Okay, fair enough. When you've only been in one house with like one or two other people and everything seems awful. And then suddenly you're supposed to go out and be like, everything's fine now. It doesn't. Yeah. Like I still feel that way in large crowds where I'm like, this feels weird. I think that's what she's experiencing. It just feels weird. Very true. Very true. So anyway, Cassian lands on the lawn. He's like, oh, this is going to be a fast meeting. <laughs> I don't know what makes him think that since he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> you know, hello, Cassian, you got to pick up your clue phone, man. That or you need to be hit upside the head with a clue by four. I have in not fairness, figured it out. In fairness, we did talk in our last episode about how this is a little bit Asriel's fault because he clearly has more information and he just kind of was like, come to a meeting. <laughs> like, hey. He did not give Cassian any help. <laughs> no, no. He's leaving both of them to flounder. Uh, 
Nesta's feeling kind of sick and nauseous and upset, which I can't imagine why. You know, she's facing off with Feyre and Reese. She knows they're going to be here. She doesn't know if Elaine's going to be here. And considering the last time she saw Elaine, which was what? a day or two ago this is not going to be a pretty experience anyway they're walking into the house and you know she knows that they know about the fight with Elaine and so she already thinks dear god you know I'm going to be judged for this and I feel bad for her because they're judging her for something that she really has no control over like if they had all been in the room, like a fly on the wall, they'd know that Elaine's the one who actually picked the fight. Well, the real shitty part about this is if Azriel had been at all helpful, he could have at least told Cassian what the meeting wasn't about. And we could have at least told Nesta that it wasn't going to be about Elaine. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, that would be so nice. They walk into the house and she's noticing all the the. She, she's noticing all the little things that Farah has done to make it a home, the flowers and the artwork. And, you know, she comes across a picture of a towering barren mountain, void of life, somehow thrumming with presence. Snow and pines crusted the smaller peaks around it, but this strange bald mountain, only a black stone jutted from its top, a monolith. And Cassian's like, I didn't realize she had painted Ramiel. <laughs> so we suddenly have context for Nesta to know what Ramiel is when he was talking about it. My whole thing is, I don't understand. So, like, she painted a picture of a thing she's never seen. She's painted a picture of a thing that she saw in Reese's head. She's been there. She just dragged her art supplies out there. Like, I don't care which of these options it is. It seems kind of awkward to me. Well, yeah, but it is what is the symbol of the night court. So. Right. But like, I don't know. I don't know. It still feels weird. It still feels weird to like paint a thing of a thing that you've like never experienced. (laughs) I don't disagree, but I'm just telling you what I know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, carry on. Uh, so they, they're standing in front of the doors to the study, and poor Nesta is like, oh, shit. Last time I was here, this was not a good experience. She is not looking forward to this, you guys. And so they go in, and Reese and Favor are sitting on one couch. Azriel's leaning against the mantle, and Amryn is there, curled up into an armchair. No Elaine, no more. So I... I have to admit, it was kind of a interesting. It's interesting. Anyway, everybody's tense. I guess is the best way to explain this. They're they're all tense, and and it's kind of stretching between all of them. And Nesta's feeling a little awkward, but she's like kind of standing there on her own, going, "Fine, you all want to make this even worse than it is. I'm going to stand here and hold my own. So you go, girl." So then Feyre finally breaks the ice and she's like, okay, Azriel, fill us in. At which point it's like, okay, well, Nesta's probably taking a big sigh of relief thinking, okay, well, it's not that maybe with Elaine and she's probably not getting her ass handed to her about that, at least not right now. 
So Azrael starts talking and he talks about the fact that Brie Allen has definitely been a busy queen. And of course, Nesta's blood instantly chills because she remembers this is the young girl who had jumped into the cauldron right after her and had emerged a crone. Right. Um, so Nesta knows in her heart of hearts, this is not good. Whatever it is they're going to be discussing, it's not a good sign. Yeah, she's like, mm, details, I have none. But they can't be good ones. Exactly, because we know. not inviting us for tea. <laughs> it's not going to be a tea party, no. Anyway, Asriel's like, you know, I've been watching it for the last week. And I now know what her next steps are. And that's got to be really unnerving. And Amron's like, okay, well, fine. Just get on with it. And As finally comes out and he says this. The other queens indeed fled from Briellen weeks ago. As Eris said, she alone sits in the throne room of their shared palace. And what Eris revealed about Baron was true, too. The High Lord visited Briellen on the continent, pledging her forces to his cause. I mean, his pledging his forces to her cause. I can't read today. But Briellen is gathering armies. The alliance with Baron is only the auxiliary force to what she has planned. She wants to find the cauldron again in order to retrieve her youth. And Amon's like, yeah, she's not getting the cauldron. I'm not worried. Miriam and Draken know, have it. They know, you know, we know where it is. Miriam and Draken know where it is. Nobody's going to find this thing. And Azriel is finally like, look, Briallan knows this. What Vasa suspected is true that the Death Lord Kosche has been whispering in her ear. And he remains trapped at his lake, but his words carry on the wind to her. He is ancient, his depth of knowledge fathomless. He pointed Briellen toward the dread trove. Not for her sake, but for his own. He wants to use it to free himself from the lake, and Briellen is not the puppet we believed her to be. She and Kosche are allies. Allies. Allies better. Allies. <laughs> In case y'all can tell, I have not been sleeping. It is somewhat obvious. Um, anyway. Okay, but can we pause for a second to just talk about how this is like good info dumping, but this is very info dumpy. And I can mm. only imagine actually standing in this room while all of this is being said and being like, you know, you're saying a lot of words and I'm sure they mean something. But what? <laughs> like, I don't really understand how this group of people is standing around acting like they know, like, like, like we know that they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> like, we know that they only got this information like 10 minutes ago and it's like filtered through like Eris. Like, <laughs> this is not great information, <laughs> truthfully. True. And I don't know if Eris is the most reliable source, but okay. Right. So I can only imagine being Nesta and being like, I'm sorry, I missed like two thirds of what you said because 
for one third of the time, I thought you were going to yell at me about Elaine. And when you weren't, I got distracted. And then for the other third, I realized you were saying words, but they didn't mean anything to me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why to me, I'm saying they are info dumpy. It's good info dump. But if you actually think about like the, like standing in this room I don't even think they know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> well, the best part is, is that Nesta asks the question that we all want to ask. Right. What's the dread trove? Right. I, like I admit, what the fuck is the dread trove? Right. Right. Nesta's like, all right, I caught that one thing. Say it again. Explain it. <laughs> Apparently, this is the important thing, right? So Amran at least explains it, saying that the cauldron had made many objects of power long ago, forging weapons of unrivaled might. Most were lost to history and war. When I went into the prison, only three remained at the time. Some claimed there were four or that the fourth had been unmade. But today's legends only tell of three. The mask, the harp, and the crown. And Pharaoh's like, they're different from the objects of power in the human city. What can they do? Like, there are questions. Even Pharaoh doesn't know. And Nesta's still, Nesta has a bad flashback to the evening she and Amran spent playing with all the toys, objects in the human city. Um, and she acknowledges that if the dread trove is worse than what she experienced in the Hewn City, that they're fucked. <laughs> right. No, even but she doesn't even know what these objects do. She knows they're fucked. Well played, Nesta. Well played. So we find out that the mask can raise the dead. Um, it's some kind of a dead ma- death mask uh, molded from the face of a long forgotten king. That you can, if you wear it. You may summon the dead to you and command them to march at your will. The harp can open any door, physical or otherwise. And some say between worlds and the crown. The crown can influence anyone, even piercing through the mightiest of mental shields. Its only flaw is that it requires close physical proximity to initially sink its claws into a victim's mind. But wear the crown, and you could make your enemies do your bidding, could make a parent slaughter their child, aware of the horror, but unable to stop themselves. Okay, and Nessa's like, whoa, 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 hold on. And these things were lost? Again, fair question, because, you know, I'd want to know. What the fuck were you all thinking? How the hell did this shit get lost? Right. Nessa's like, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say a bunch of things. I never thought you were going to just say, I don't know, we kind of lost track of it. That was somebody's job. I'm not sure who's like, what the fuck? These things can do what to who and you, what? Yeah. 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 Reese gets pissy with her. Which doesn't seem fair to me. <laughs> no. Surprise. Niece, Reese gets prissy with Nesta. Pissy with Nesta. Dear God. God, I'm not functioning today, guys. I'm sorry. Um, so Nesta does ask yet again a question that is on top of mind, which is, what does this have to do with the cauldron? Fair. You know what? Fair question. 
And of course, Vera has my favorite answer, which has come up in every single book so far that we have read by Sarah J. Mass. And that saying is, like calls to like. What could that be about now? <laughs> it says, because the trove was made by the cauldron, so might the trove find its maker. Brielle was made. Isn't it possible she could track the cauldron? And Amarin comes up with a really interesting thing. She's like, the cauldron aged Brielle to punish her. Or after she looks at Nesta, or to punish you, I guess. And she goes, I think you you took something when you took your when you seized your power. Looking at Nesta. And Feyre's suddenly like, what happened in the cauldron? Like, okay, I'm sorry, this is the first time you're going to ask Nesta this after how long? I, uh, I'm so annoyed on so many levels about this. Like... I don't really know where they get off just being like, mm, actually, we brought you all, we brought you here because we want to like ask you about your trauma in front of everyone, including people you don't fucking like right now. Like, exactly. I just want you to like unleash your trauma in front of all of us for our benefit. But also, yeah, like, how have we made it this long? And I'm getting the feeling that nobody's ever bothered to fucking ask. Like, we're basically implying that we. <laughs> We sent Nesta away because she was refusing to deal with her trauma. But as you and I have pointed out, it doesn't seem like for some reason that Valaris has therapy as an option or therapists. So if they don't have therapy or therapists and apparently nobody till now bothered to ask Nesta what happened, why did we think she was going to be over it in the first place? Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. Like, I'm just sort of confused. Cassian, God love him, comes to his, comes to her defense. And she, he's like, does it matter? And Feyre's like, well, it would help us gain insight. And Cassian's like, we can discuss this later. And he's Nesta, like, yeah, like, maybe you could give me a list of specifics you're looking for, and she and I could chat about it over coffee in the comfort of her new fucking home. Okay? Like, <laughs> maybe we don't need to do this here. Nesta starts to talk. And she's going through all these horrible memories. And she's kind of having a bit of a panic attack, which, you know what, I don't blame her. And she remembers to breathe because it helps to calm her mind whenever Cassian is leading her through the exercises. So she starts practicing some breathing. And finally, Nesta responds with this. I wasn't aware of what I took. Just that I was taking things the cauldron did not want me to have. It seemed fitting Fitting, given what it was doing to me. And that's all she can say about it. But Farah has finally clicked in. And she's like, so it's highly possible that the cauldron couldn't imbue Briallan with the ability to track it. All it could do was give Briallan the ability to track anything it made. A sorry shadow of the original gift. 
To which I say, sure, or not. <laughs> right. No, what the cauldron can and cannot do. Right. And we've already proven that the damn thing's sentient. And we've also proven, I don't know. Ah. Uh... <laughs> This is not, like, what I call, like, a plot hole. Like, I don't think this is a plot hole. But what I do think this is doing is opening the door to realize that our, like, Feyre was not a very reliable narrator. <laughs> and we are suddenly forced to deal with the fact that we are standing in a room full of people who probably have good intentions, who are probably better connected with more education and resources than most. However... Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. That still doesn't mean they know what the fuck they're doing. They still be winging it and flying by the seat of their pants like everybody else. <laughs> True. But something interesting comes out of her admission. And in saying what she had said, she'd somehow done something worthy. And that bothers her because she's like, had she done so many unworthy things that her scant contribution earned that much praise? Anyway, she starts to tune it out because Amarin continues about the trove. And she says, if you were to gather all three objects, you could use the potency of their combined made essence to track down the cauldron no matter where it is. And then Asriel's like, yeah, not to mention you'll gain three objects of terrible power, capable of granting even a human army an advantage against the Fae. I'm sorry, but what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And Mies is like, wait a minute, and all Kosche wants is to be free from his lake? Fair question. Amran comes to the rescue on that one saying, look, no one really knows what the scope of the Trove's powers is at full capacity. Beyond freeing him from the lake, Kosche may very well know something about the trove that we don't, some greater power that manifests when all three are united. And poor Nesta is starting to slowly wrap her head around shit, right? And she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? What's a death lord? And it's like, oh honey, stop asking questions because this is just, we're going to be here till tomorrow. I hope everybody brought snacks. Yeah, but at the same time, you're throwing a lot of shit at her that if, you know, oh, the information sure. that they're throwing her way, I would have questions if I were in her shoes, too. I, oh, I totally would. For sure. For sure. And so everybody's staring at her like she's got six heads. And Cassian's finally like, I told you of Lanthus, the wound he gave me, he is literally deathless. Nothing can kill him. Kosche, too, cannot be killed. He's a master of his own death. They are death lords. And then Reese is like, shit, I forgot about Lanthus. This, of course, even makes Amarin shudder. So, of course, you know, this has to be some pretty seriously bad juju if Amarin's like, what? Yeah. We come to the process of, okay, they're trying to find the dread trove so that... They can track down the cauldron for Brianne and likely free Kosche in the process, and then launch a war with Baron as her ally. Ally, I did it again, didn't I? <laughs> you did. That just 
made a face. I was like, <laughs> we're using Allie forever. <laughs> Here's Allie, her Allie. We got a lot of Allies. Allie we cat. Do. Anyway, we, Azrael finally does say, look, Brianna's aware of Koschai's insidious influence. If her strings are being pulled, it is only because she's allowing it to achieve her own end. Nesta's head is just like spitting. She's like, fucking A, you know? So we try to confirm with Asriel, has Brielle found the dread trove yet? And he's like, not as far as I can tell. Last he knew, it had been rumored to be here in Prithian. That's all Koschei knows, apparently. So we have that on our side. And then he goes, why Brialin and Koshche took Eris' soldiers is something I still haven't figured out. You need to meet with Eris, is what he tells Cassian. And Cassian's like, I really still don't understand why this is not anybody else's but my job. Okay, great. Right. I will continue to meet with Eris and get very little from this. <laughs> because... Cassian, being the general that Cassian is, thinks like a general. And what he says is, I will, but we'll have to shore up the borders, warn the courts, tell them of Baron's plan to hell with secrecy. But we're not going to have him do those things. Those are his wheelhouse, but instead we're going to send him to make nice-nice with Eris. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Reese is really making me feel good here. He goes, and we'd expose Eris and lose a valuable ally. <laughs> to which Cassian and Nesta and I am like, so we're not going to be doing that. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> and then he's like, what about warning them about the trove? And Reese is like, nope, because we'd only risk one of them trying to go after it. We already know Baron would do that, right? So then Feyre's like, why didn't we look for the trove when we were hunting for the cauldron? Because we were busy, bitch. <laughs> and Amran's like, the book was easier to find. And it's been 10,000 years since anyone used the trove. I assumed it was all at the bottom of an ocean. I just want to point out that what we just said is that the book was easier to find. And please remind yourselves how easy it was to find. <laughs> Not very. <laughs> so we Thank fucked. you, water wraiths. <laughs> We fucked. <laughs> it's just, we get more information. Like, the more we hear about the Dread Trove, the worse this gets, you guys. Because then Amrit's like, you know, made objects tend to not wish to be found by just anybody. That they faded from memory that even I didn't think of them immediately. And the fight against Tyburn suggests that perhaps they willed it that way, wanted to stay hidden. True things of power have such gifts. <laughs> I'm sorry, they can what? It's like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> Pretty much. It's like you say it, like they have like some sentience and it's like, uh-huh. It's like, great. I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Which is coincidentally how I feel every time I see like those lists of like animals in Australia that can kill you. I'm like, cool. I don't want to live there. <laughs> nope. I don't even know if I want to visit because of it. Right. And that's kind of how Cassian feels right now. <laughs> He's like, you're telling me what? That's okay. I think Nesta feels the same way. Yeah. Nesta's thinking back where she's like, remember when we could have all been minding our own fucking business? <laughs> 
remember when I was just like hanging out with my dad and my sister and we were not thinking about these things? Yeah. Remember when we sort of thought we had a rich aunt somewhere? Can we go back to that fantasy, please? Willingly pretend we have a rich aunt somewhere. Wipe my mind, it would be a good thing. Um, yeah. And of course, Amber just continues. Man, it's like she gets into this and she's just gonna do her damnedest to scare the ever living shit out of everybody there. It's what she's she like, what she lives for. You know? Because she says they were made in a time when wild magic still roamed the earth, and the Fae were not masters of all. Made objects back then tended to gain their own self-awareness and desires. It was not a good thing. And, Mu- and, and Reese is like, wait a minute. So just as I'm able to alter a mind to forget, perhaps they have a similar gift. Wow, thanks for coming to the TED Talk. Where have you been? Yes. <laughs> not only think about what that means. <laughs> Like, oh shit. Yeah, but like, again, this is where I'm suddenly becoming very aware of the fact that like nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> I'm like, wow, Reese really called this meeting and basically was like, <clears throat> does anybody have anything to say? Because I don't. <laughs> like, if it wasn't for Amron right now, we'd all be like, so there's stuff happening. <laughs> yeah. Because then Amron, again, she continues. She has all of this kind of figured out. I guess it's a good thing she's 15,000 plus years old. Because then Amron goes, but Briallen is made. And when Briallen was made, it likely removed from her the dread trove's glamour, for lack of a better term. And it recognized her as kin, where she might have glanced over a mention of the items before and never thought twice. Now it's sticking or perhaps even called to her and presented itself to her in a dream. Everybody turns and looks at Nesta again. I was going to say, like, this theory to me feels a little blown out of the water by the fact that, like, Nesta, Feyre, Elaine, none of them have been like, hey, I keep having this dream about this stuff. Like, uh, this is feeling a little contrived to me. <laughs> okay, but where Feyre was made, she was not made by the cauldron. Which is fair, but the other two were, and to our knowledge, no, they're not being called by any said thing. So the idea that we're just suddenly going with the idea that, like, oh, well, Brielle it is. Why? Right. Because, like, uh, this feels a little sketch to me. I don't disagree, but... <sighs> Here we are, we're getting the info dump that we're getting, I guess, is the best way to describe it, right? Yeah. Amron looks at Nesta and says, you are the same, so is Elaine. And Nesta's like, wait a minute. If they're enchanting all of you to forget, how is it Azrael was able to remember and bear the information here? And Amron says, perhaps once you learn of it, recognize that the spell is broken, or perhaps the dread trove wants us to know of it now. For some dark reason of its own. <laughs> to which Nesta's like, I call bullshit, but okay. <laughs> but at the same time, like all the hair on her arm rises and she gets that horrible, oh shit feeling snaking down her spine. Yeah, she's like, well, that's creepy. Sure, we'll go with that. And Cassian's like, um, so, okay, so the job is now to go find the dread trove. <laughs> How? And Elaine is standing in the doorway finally. 
And she turns around and looks at everybody and says, using me. And that's the end of the chapter, people. Holy shit, all these. I Mm, mm, okay, whatever. Carry on. I have my feelings about this whole plot. But anyway. <laughs> Just wait. Um, yeah. Have you read the entire book more than once? I can tell you. Just wait. <laughs> I, yeah. This is sort of like, in fairness, in fairness, I feel a little bit about this plot. Like, I did at the beginning of Crescent City <laughs> when I was like, mm, y'all are saying a bunch of things that like I can already tell are being presented in such a way that later we're going to be like, never mind, we're fucking wrong about everything. And it's like, yeah, like probably like a well-educated third grader could have told you that. Not that we had the answer, just that you were wrong. <laughs> wow, we really just be standing in a room spitball and acting like we're right, but we don't know fuck all. <laughs> you think? <clears throat> so we'll see what happens, right? So, you know, Nesta suddenly is like, no. So this is the top of 21. And it's Lee. like, Nesta literally jumps in and she's like, no. She's not going to let Elaine do this. And Elaine is, you know, remember, they're not on good terms right now. And Elaine goes, you do not decide what I can and cannot do, Nesta. Okay, which, fair. Fair. It's like, oh, gee, Elaine, you finally grew a fucking backbone? Took you long enough, bitch. Um, yeah, and I yeah. like Elaine, but come say, on. Yeah, I, uh, mm, yeah, this came up, like, in the fandom unrelated to this chapter, and people were just asking, like, somebody asked, like, a genuine question in, like, one of the chats that was, like, I just, why do people not like Elaine? Like, can somebody, like, actually verbalize why they don't like her? And so I did, and I said, hey, it's it's not like I hate Elaine. Like, you know, like, I don't hate her. I just think that she's, A, not, we don't have enough details about her for her to be terribly interesting. And then even when we do start to get character development for her, we get character development like what we've seen now, where like kind of what she pulled with Nesta was kind of a manipulative bitch situation where she came in and played the victim and like blamed Nesta for yelling at her, even though she was kind of in the fucking wrong. And now she's here kind of being like, you don't own me. And it's like, okay, but up until now, you did want Nesta to say no on your behalf and you didn't want to stand up for yourself. So while like you doing those things is good for you, don't act like Nesta hasn't been doing this for your ass for 20 plus years and you've appreciated it. Bingo. So like, that's why I, she, you know, like, that's why I'm not a fan. But <laughs> I could be convinced otherwise. But I just used this kind of example where I was like, eh. <laughs> Here's a good I example why. <laughs> I firmly believe that still waters run deep in a lane. Sure. And that's what I mean. And, and yeah, and maybe that's what the original poster was like trying to get at. I have no idea. I just I, I thought it was interesting when she asked, like, OK, but like, why do people not like her? Like most people, in fairness, like brought like receipts. <laughs> and I was like, OK, see, I think I think when people 
say they don't like Elaine. I also noticed in that post, uh, we talked about it kind of briefly offline where I was like, and sometimes people just like lose their marbles. Like these are imaginary characters. It's fine. You can like them or not like them. It's really just like not that serious. But uh, somebody was like, if you don't like Elaine, then you're not the type of person I would want to be friends with. Okay, cool. Like, great. Then like, don't be my friend. I don't know you. <laughs> exactly. But, but also, I guess I guess my point is just people who love Elaine tend to not want to see any faults in Elaine, at least in the fandom on the internet. Um, versus I do find that in fairness, a lot of people who like Nesta will be the first to admit that she's got some fucking problems. <laughs> I'm like, I love her. She's nuts. But I love her. You can love her and know she's nuts. <laughs> That's completely fair. I like Elaine. She's not my favorite character, but I do like her. And I have issues with the way Elaine has allowed everybody else to fight her battles for her. Right. That's That was kind of a, yeah, that was kind of like the overarching, like, connection most people had where they were like, weird how it was fine for everyone to fight your battles until suddenly you decided you wanted, like, independence and you decided to be a bitch about it instead of just saying like, Hey, I think this is a thing I need to do. Exactly. And picking a fight with your oldest, your older sister, because well, you feel like picking a fight. Um, yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Uh, so, you know, Nesta has an interesting comeback to Elaine because she does say, you know, the last time we involved ourselves with the cauldron, it abducted you. Yeah, fair. And she's like, well, I thought you didn't have powers anymore. And Elaine's like, well, I thought you didn't either. So all of a sudden, can we just say everybody else in the room is like, well, that just let that cat out of the bag for both women. Like, did we really think that? Like, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I, uh, this goes back to when I think we've said, again, it's hard for me to keep track of what we have said in an episode versus what you and I have said offline. But I don't really understand why we would have believed that when way back, like, Akamath, like, Lucian was the first one to say to Pharaoh, like, we should probably, like, figure out what the fuck your powers are and, like, how to handle them, you know? Like, that just seems like a ding, thing ding. to do. And for some reason, nobody has felt the need to do that with Nesta or Elaine. And, and I do not for the life of me understand why. Well, but remember, it took them forever to realize that Elaine was a seer. Sure, but we've known since Akawar, which we now know is like a year ago. I know. So, like, we could, we we were too afraid to let Feyre go a couple of weeks. Everybody was, like, biting their nails, freaking the fuck out. And now we're just like, uh, la-di-da. I mean, Nesta and Elaine couldn't possibly benefit from help. No. This is crazy. So this fight between Elaine and Nesta continues because Elaine, because Nesta's like, you're not going to look for it. And Amron's like, fine, so you go look for it. And Nesta turns around and she's like, but I don't know how to find anything. And Amron's like, well, light claws the like. You were made by the cauldron. You may track other objects made by it as well, just as Brielle can. And because you were made by it, you are immune to the influence and power of the trope. You might use them, yes, but they cannot be used upon you, either of you, looking at Elaine as well. 
And Elaine, and that's just something like, I can't. Amron's like, you tracked the cauldron. And, and Nesta's response is, it nearly killed me. It trapped me like a bird in a cage. Which is why I'm saying if we had spent the last fucking year actually dealing with anybody's powers, then like maybe we would be strong enough to handle this. And maybe we would have worked out some therapy along the way. But no, maybe. no, we're here. Right. So Elaine's like, fine, I'll do it. I'll reacquaint myself with my powers and I'll do it. Like she, okay, this is the thing that irks the fucking shit out of me. Okay, Nesta may be saying, I don't know how the fuck to use my powers. Like, but Nesta is aware that she sort of has them. And in theory, she can harness them and use them. And she tried that one time and it went, you know, so-so. Um, so she's obviously a little terrified to do it again, right? First, Wait. we got fucking Elaine over here who's like, I can, I'll figure out how to harness my powers. Elaine. You couldn't even identify for us what the fuck your powers were and put that into words for like a year. Now you want us to believe that you're just going to like tap into that shit? Shut up. Well, it wasn't a year, but at least a couple of months. Yeah, catatonic for six months. I don't want to hear it from you. Pretty much. It's like, I'll find it. And Nesta goes, absolutely not. And then this is where the fight between them comes out. And I think, in a way, it's kind of good because I think it kind of clues everybody in as to what actually came down, what what, yes. what happened at the river house between yeah. the two sisters. Elaine's like, shall I tend to my little garden forever? You can't have it both ways. You can't resent my decision to lead a small, quiet life while also refusing to let me do anything greater. And Nesta's like, fine, go off on adventures, go drink and fuck strangers, but stay away from the cauldron. Which, like, <laughs> in fairness, like, clearly the two of them have some shit to work out. Like, obviously. And Elaine sort of has a point. Except, I sort of suspect that Nesta <laughs> never actually said she resented. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't recall Nesta ever saying or even implying that she resented Elaine and her quiet, small life. That's just not mm -mm. what Nesta wanted for herself. And that's not the same thing. Right. Exactly. Of course, Favor's response is, well, it's Elaine's choice. Which, okay, at least Feyre has learned something. <laughs> Not sure now is the time to voice it, but. <laughs> and of course, Nesta proceeds to piss off Reese because Nesta turns around, gives her the evil eye and is like, keep out of it. I have no doubt you put these thoughts in her head, probably encouraging her to throw herself in harm's way. And Elaine is like, I am not a child to be fought over. And Nesta's like, do you not remember the war? What we encountered? Do you not remember the cauldron kidnapping you, bringing you into the heart of Highburn's camp? Okay, at which point somebody in this room should have realized that this was incredibly triggering to Nesta and we all need to shut up and sit down for a minute. Mm -hmm. Like the idea that we're just like, oh, I had no idea that Nesta felt this way. Yes, you fucking did. Yes, you fucking did. And Elaine's like, I do. And I remember Feyre rescuing me. Not not Nesta, Feyre. Which is, like, fine, except for the fact that, like, this sort of, to me, 
like and and maybe maybe I'm just getting old and crotchety or maybe it's like being a mom I don't know but to me when Elaine says this I do and I remember favor rescuing me sort of proves Nesta's point and I can see why Elaine doesn't realize that's what she's just done she kind of just proved that Nesta like wasn't wrong when Nesta was basically trying to say you're not prepared for this you're not strong enough for this you are not ready for this and Elaine's response is like oh well if I get in trouble Pharaoh will save me that is Mm -hmm. not that's not a plan that's not a plan like relying on Feyre saving the day is not a fucking plan which is I think might been my problem with basically these two chapters which is why I'm like wow we are suddenly realizing that we are in a room full of people who don't know what they're fucking talking about don't have a fucking plan and are basically just talking their out their ass and winging it like when we had Feyre as a narrator clearly we didn't know what we didn't know and Feyre was like well I'm new to all so clearly if they're saying it they know what they're talking about we just like took a word for it and now we're like oh my god these people are winging it they are winging it however i give i give nesta credit because she she actually has a comeback and she's like look who decided to grow claws after all maybe you'll become interesting at last elaine (laughs) okay well maybe she didn't have to be that mean but (laughs) Oh, shit. And it says in here, you know, Nesta saw the blow land like a physical impact in Elaine's face and her posture. No one is speaking, but the shadows are gathering in the corners of the room like snakes preparing to strike. So Asriel's getting pissed. And Elaine finally is like, I went into the cauldron too, you know, and it captured me. And yet somehow you, all you think of is what my trauma did to you. Which in a vacuum is fair. But what we also know is that for a long time, Nesta didn't deal with her trauma at all while she babysat poor catatonic Elaine. Right. So I call bullshit. I agree. Elaine goes to walk out and she's like, Find me when you wish to begin. And Feyre's trying to be gentle, and she goes, It wasn't an easy choice for me to ask Elaine to endanger herself like this. Nesta's like, Can't you find the trove? You've got all that magic, and you were made yourself, even if it wasn't by the cauldron. You trained. You're a warrior. Can't you find it? Feyre's like, Nope, I can't. She looks to Reese, and he's like, Yeah. Vera's like, I, I, I can't risk it. And Nesta's like, why? And she goes, because I'm pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. Which my problem with this is not, quote unquote, the pregnancy trope. A lot of people have a problem with Vera being pregnant at all. Personally, I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with how it's been dealt with to this point, how it's been... <laughs> now exposed i find the way it's been done a little fucking weird so anyway everybody starts to celebrate reese finally drops the shield around pharah and as soon as it happens you smell pharah's scent because remember scent is such a big deal but then it says it was her usual scent only something new a smaller softer scent like a budding rose lay within it and then Cassie's like, well, no wonder you've been a moody bastard, Reese. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Okay, I, yeah, so, not to, like, skip ahead, but right after that, we go into a whole thing about how she's pregnant for 10 months, and that is, quote, unquote, <laughs> one month longer than a human pregnancy, except it's not. I know. A human pregnancy is 10 months. <laughs> it's 40 weeks. I know. Question. If you only get, like, what do they get? Two periods a year? Mm-hmm. How does one know they're pregnant? <laughs> like, at what point? Like, see, here on the Earths, you would tell a human to wait for their missed period, and that would be a good time to take a test, or, like, right before an expected period. Well, I guess Farrah didn't wait six months <laughs> to take a test. So how does one know? And if you consent it right away, like, was that a thing? Was she immediately like, oh, I smell that I'm pregnant? Either that or Reese did. That's kind of disgusting. <laughs> Not much about this world building disgusts me, but that does. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I smell fetus. Well, think about it from an animal standpoint, okay? Take take the fact that these are fey out and just think of it from the animal standpoint. Animals can smell when somebody when when the female is in heat, right? Sure. And they also can tell because your scent does change when you're pregnant. Sure. Right. Now, think about having that conversation with a human, and I still say that is disgusting as far as world building. It's a fun conversation, but I'm thinking that's probably how they figured it out. I guess. I don't know. I just think, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Here's the thing. Mom to mom. If you only have two periods a year, how the hell do you know when you're ovulating? This is what I'm saying. This is my point. This is basically my point. Is that this is a piece of world building that makes me go, you should have stopped telling me things because now I'm confused and I got questions. <laughs> right. Mostly I'm hung up on 10 months being a month longer than a human pregnancy. Yeah. That's just not true. Now, you only know about nine months of them. My guess is that it's 11. Is it 11 or is it 10? Because they do know like the second they're pregnant. So they know for the full, I don't know. Even by that logic, you'd only be nine and a half months then. I don't know, at least based on human ovulation. This is my point. Now I got fucking questions. Now, I, yeah. I mean, we barely teach, we, okay, welcome to America. We barely teach humans here how to have children. We barely teach humans here how pregnancy works. We barely explain to a 16-year-old girl what to do with the tampon and when she's ovulating and what ovulating is. So, I mean, I guess I can't be shocked that this book got written by an American who then wrote human pregnancy because we know that the education system taught her that she was only pregnant for nine months <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> it's a crap shoot anyway everybody keeps going on and of course Azrael and cassian are like we're gonna be uncles and you know the room kind of 
Well, it's weird to me because it derails this conversation and just leaves Nesta standing here like, I'm sorry, are we just now pretending that all this fuckery didn't just happen? And also, like, in fairness, it's like, human interaction or fey interaction is weird because like there isn't really a good protocol for this situation where like Feyre kind of has to say why she can't so I don't think she necessarily meant to make this announcement now but she felt like eh, now is as good a time as any but like it sort of did make Nesta look like the dick and that's not Nesta's fault I know like, we keep doing this to her and then wondering, like, why she doesn't want to help. Wondering why she doesn't want to be a part of the family. <laughs> wondering why. Well, because you throw her under the bus every chance you get. Now, Nesta very quietly tells her sister congratulations. And when all of this is happening and everybody's all jumping up and down for joy and all happy and whatever... Nesta literally is standing there like she's the outsider looking in. I feel really bad for her, man. She's like standing on the outside of all this kind of going, okay. Well, because the thing is, is we've spent all of this story, like for, you know, whatever, five books, right? Focused on Feyre as the main character. And we spent all this time focused on... Like, what is it like in Prithian? What is this world building? Blah, blah, blah. But if based on what we do know, and right or wrong, it's people feel the way they feel, right? Nesta was likely raised in a situation that would have led her to believe that as the oldest sister, she should have been married first and had kids first. Exactly. And she is standing here going, cool, cool, cool. My youngest sister has everything she's ever wanted. Great for her. Uh, you know, she's been through it, but she's come out the other end. I, on the other hand, can't seem to catch a fucking break. And now everybody also hates me. Cool. Well, congratulations for you. I'm just going to go cry in a corner. Or is that not allowed since y'all are going to tell me how to feel about my feelings? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, Farrah's like, thanks. You're going to be an aunt. And, of course... Cassian's response to this is, God's helped this child indeed. And I gotta admit, that's just... Yeah, but I think he much thought Cassian. he was being funny. I hope so. You know what I mean? Like, I could absolutely see somebody saying that, thinking they were being funny. Like, because because if if, if somebody had come and been like, Hey, Asriel, you're gonna be an uncle! He would have said the same fucking thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think he just thought he was being funny and didn't really, like, read the room. Nesta suddenly realizes that Reese is being very protective. He's just being a female. And so she lets her guard down and she really lets him realize that she means no harm to Farah. She means no harm to the baby. She means no harm to him. And she's never going to hurt them. Until this point, I've kind of just been like, yeah, like Nesta and, and Reese, they have their issues. They don't fucking get along. This is wild to me that Reese, for some reason, thought Nesta was, like, a physical threat. Okay, first of all, you could, like, eat her. Second of all, what has she ever done to lead you to believe she would actually physically harm her sister? Neglect her sister, maybe. Ignore her sister, for sure. Say mean shit, probably. But physically harm her or, like, her niece or nephew? That is a wild jump. I agree. 
Like, I do not give him a pass on that. Like, I, that is a fucked up assumption. It is one thing to be wary is another thing to just assume, you know? Yeah. So then the question comes up, you know, did they tell Elaine? Have they told more? And Favre's like, well, Elaine was really the only one who guessed. She caught me puking two more nights in a row. So that's the same as human pregnancy. Yep. And Reese is like, we're not going to tell more till she gets back. Because the last thing we need to do is let have her let the cat out of the bag and be too excited. And we don't need that getting out to anybody. And Amron's like, Varian, because, you know, she wants to tell Varian. And Reese is like, not yet. Feyre has to get farther along. So Nessa's like, all right, wait a minute. Okay, so wait, you can't do magic when you're pregnant? And Feyre's like, no, I can, but given the gifts I have, we're not sure how it's going to impact the baby. Like, winnowing is fine, but some of my other powers were too early in the pregnancy and it could strain my body too much. Which, huh? yeah, to which I say again, a world-building question so yeah. what fair is suddenly the first fucking pregnant powerful fey female that feels like bullshit to me how do we not know how do we not know i can understand why we don't know all of her powers but like for example can't we go ask the fucking winter court about using winter court powers can't we go fucking ask the autumn court about using fire shit while pregnant like reese what do you know how do you know that winnowing is fine? How do you know? To me, that seems like the most dangerous one. What the fuck? <laughs> like, what if she winnows and leaves her uterus behind? Like, I don't know how that works. Fair. So, so Feyre kind of puts a bone out there, like a little bit of a peace offering here. And she's like, look, Elaine's going to need time to get back up to speed so she can see the trove and she goes but nesta you could scry and nesta's looking at amarin like wait a minute but you're not made like she's totally confused and and amarin's like not as you are and nesta's like i don't really have a choice and she says to herself in her internal monologue that if it is between her and Elaine, there was no choice at all. She would always go first if it meant keeping Elaine from harm, even if she just hurt her sister more than she could stomach. And Nessa's like, I'll search for it. I'm sorry, I just have to go back about like how Reese does this other thing that makes me want to slap him in this chapter. Where, like... <laughs> Elaine leaned to dust off her powers to try to see the trove, but you, Nesta, you could scry again. As swiftly as possible, time is not our ally. Okay, if that is true, if time is not our ally and this is actually what you want Nesta to do, then why bring up Elaine at all? Then you were just bullshitting before. You never expected Elaine to do it. You were actually just pulling a power play to force Nesta to do this. Well, that's fucked up. And then at the end he goes, Yule, you do have a choice. You will have always have a choice here. Uh, no, you just manipulated the shit out of her to get what you wanted. Exactly. The whole room did. Everybody, apparently, except for Cassian, since nobody told him what was going on, or maybe Asriel tried and he was just distracted last chapter, that's up for debate. But <laughs> the point is, is, Cassian and Nesta are truly the only ones who showed up to this room unaware of how this was going to go down, apparently. Right. 
Because to me, this just proves that they never actually expected Elaine to do a damn thing. They used her against Nesta. Of course they did. And it irritates me. It's bullshit. It's a power play. That's a fucked up way. Like, that's just, yeah, that was a fucked up way to go about it. So we get at the snowflake. Cassie wants to talk to Reese about Illyrian, legions. So Nesta's walking to the front entry of the river house by herself, going out front. And Feyre calls out and is like, look, I'll wait with you until they're done. And it's really awkward silence between these two sisters. Because remember, it's not like they're like BFFs or anything, right? Feyre finally is like, it's a boy. And Nesta's like, whoa, wait a minute, the baby? <laughs> and Feyre's like, I wanted you to know first. I told Reese to wait until I told you, but I suppose he's telling Az and Cassian now. And, and poor Nesta's like, wait a minute, whoa, you're only two months pregnant, and how do you know the sex of the baby? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even know. Do we have ultrasounds? I don't even understand. I mean, I know how she knows, but like, is that a thing we generally know? I don't know. Right. And Feyre finally puts it out there and says, During the conflict with Hyburn, the bone carver showed me a vision of the child I'd have with Reese. And then, of course, Nessa's like, Whoa, how did he know? And Feyre's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> and Feyre's like, Yeah, I didn't know how much I'd want a boy until I knew I'd bear one. And Nesta. Being so self-depreciating is like, likely because having sisters was so horrible for you. Feyre's like, that's not what I meant. And Feyre finally is like, you know, Elaine was right. We've become so focused on how her trauma impacted us. We forget that she was the one who experienced it. And she looks at, Nesta looks at her and she's like, that was directed at me, not you. And Feyre, I have to give her credit, steps up and she's like, look, I've been guilty of the same things, Nesta. It's unfair of Elaine to level that truth only to you. And so Nesta's like, so why not tell her the sex first? Feyre goes, you know, because she discovered the pregnancy. I wanted you to know this part before anyone else. And Nesta's like, I didn't realize you were keeping score. Because I got to admit, if I were in Nesta's shoes, that's kind of how I'd be feeling. Yeah, I don't know. I sort of feel, and I guess... I feel like I have experienced this in real life and I just roll my eyes and carry on. I find that people don't have a lot of space when people are trying to process in real time and they say sarcastic things um, because I, I do that. I would, I would have absolutely said what Nesta did. It's like, Oh, well, you probably are glad it's a boy. It's, you know, you got to deal with people like us. Like, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. favorite kind of takes offense. And it's like, that wasn't directly like, stop. Like you, Think about everything that Nesta's been through. Give her a minute. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are mean because they feel backed into a corner. You know what I mean? Right. And that's what's happening here, too. Oh, I didn't realize you were keeping score. I don't think that's an actual dig. I think that is she's trying to deflect. She doesn't want to be having this conversation. She didn't ask her sister to be revealing all of these things. She's not feeling happy or good about life in general right now. So I don't think... She's kind of hard on herself. Yeah, I mean, she's remember before she and Cassian had their moment at the top of the stairs, she had bottomed out. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think when she says, I hadn't realized you were keeping score, I don't think that was like a dig at favor, like, well, fuck you. I, you know, I think that was more like a, 
like, what do you want me to, like, what do you want me to do with this information? Thanks. Great. Great. You know what I mean? Woo. Right. And then Farrah gets all quote unquote exasperated, which is why I'm like, I don't really have time for this. Like I. Right. Congratulations, Farrah. I'm happy for you. You really should have let your sister be after that. Like if anybody ever needed a fucking minute in the hallway alone, this was it. You kind of came and fucking sat down right there next to her during it. Right. And, you know, Feyre finally looks at her and she's like, I'm not, Nesta. I just, do I need an excuse to share things with you. You're my sister. I wanted to tell you before anyone else. That's it. And, of course, the boys have gotten out of the office. And Feyre's finally like, good luck. And... Nesta realizes that her sister didn't only mean with the dread trove. And that's the end of the chapter. Like we said, it's a weird fucking section, but it's its own deal. So we dealt with it. (laughs) I mean, it's awkward as hell. It is. It's uncomfortable. I kind of slap a lot of people during it. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I, I, I will be the first one to say, like, Nessa's got her fucking issues. I'm not saying she don't need therapy. I'm saying that it seems like Valaris don't got enough therapists. So there's that. <laughs> Fair. And then on top of that, super weird how we extend grace to some people and not others. I just blows my fucking mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, the whole thing, this section just has never sat well with me. I sort of know why. Uh, because I was just thinking about that, or at least why it is that's the case for me. It doesn't sit well for me because up until this point, we've all we've seen you and I have said it before. The inner circle has done some sort of sketchy things, like you know, the ends justify the means. They've said things, done things, set people up, right? I mean, like think about what they did to poor fucking um, uh, Summer Court there, Tarquin. Yep. Like you know what I mean? They uh-huh. they've really fucked some people, you know. And so I, I think it's, I'm not, by no means am I shocked that they would like use Elaine against Nesta to try to get Nesta to do what they want. I think what bothers me is they didn't need to. Right. And you would think after that whole like Blood Ruby situation with Tarquin where Reese says, you know, like sometimes I wonder like if I had just asked him. This was like a pretty low stakes comparative situation where just asking her probably would have worked. And I don't really know why like Reese and Feyre and Amran decided that like this was the route they wanted to take. Well, I also don't think they believe Cassian's description that she is finally really starting to make a change Things are changing with her, and but she then this is, is making what I don't progress. Understand. Right, but that's I think why this doesn't sit well. Because the more you think about it, the more it actually makes you go, "What the fuck is wrong with these people?" <laughs> because a that like what we just said, which is you know this is a weird situation. I can see them doing it with an outsider, but to do this with Nesta seemed a little weird. And then okay, so like let's say that they don't believe Cassian when Cassian says, "Oh, she's getting better." Mm-hmm. Well, then what do you want Cassian to do? Because that means you don't trust Cassian. So so what? You're going to start second guessing all his work? You're going to go spy on her every day? Like, what? what's the solution then? How are you going to say, Cassian, this is your job, but I also don't trust you to report back? Then right. you do, Like, how do you not, like, if you can't trust what Cassian's telling you, 
and you can't like just go out on a limb I don't know. To me, it's just very weird. Like, in that case, if you think that, and I guess this is where I'm like, the whole thing feels so weird to me. If these people really think that Nesta is as bad as they keep acting like she is, then why do they want her help in the first place? I agree. It's it's like, so awkward. The whole setup is just yeah, I, awkward. And I would say that it's a point of view problem. I would say that, right? Like if this book was truly from Nesta's point of view, then I would say, then it's just a shift in narrator. They they aren't being as bad as she is perceiving it. However, this book's technically in third person. So it does shift perspective to focus kind of over the shoulder of Cassian or over the shoulder of Nesta, but it's still not truly from Nestor or Cassian's point of view, which means uh, I think that's why people have a hard time with this book. I think that's why some people walk away from this book feeling very upset with like the inner circle because before we had potentially an unreliable narrator in Feyre and it would be fine if this was potentially an unreliable narrator in Nesta, but it's actually really not given it's not from her perspective. Fair. I don't know. I'm just trying to think my way around it, you know? You know what I mean? So I think that makes it a little more uncomfortable because you go, okay, okay, it's sort of colored by Nesta and Cassian, but not entirely, which means we may have been giving Reese and Feyre and Amran too much grace up to this point. I agree. So I, I agree think that's 100%. why it's hard to sit with it because it's a little... <laughs> uncomfortable it's kind of like when you're a kid and then you become a teenager and then you turn like 20 and you realize your parents are people <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's kind of like that you're like oh so like we knew that reese had been morally gray we said he was morally gray then we decided we loved him and now we're back to morally gray <laughs> yeah yeah that's what it is I just can't wait for you to read Throne of Glass now. <laughs> there are some amazingly fantastic, morally great characters in there. I can't wait. I can't wait. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this somewhat mini. It's it's a still a pretty decent episode, but mini compared to what we were planning. <laughs> Not only that, but well, yeah. <laughs> in the meantime we swear we'll get you another episode soon i would i'm too scared to give you real dates okay like we don't yeah. trust ourselves <laughs> every so, time we try to do that so, so the bees seem to have a thing for us right now yeah so you will get the end of part one so chapter what 22 23 24 you'll get those soonish and you'll get a song list soonish but in the meantime you can find us on all the things you can find my awkward fan fictions on our website so that's fun uh, our <laughs> website is massivefansbookclub.com you can find us on facebook at massive fans book club and podcast twitter at massive podcast instagram at massive fans podcast pictures to massive fans tiktok at massive fan pod and don't forget you can chat with us in the discord very true We've been having some good conversations in the Discord. I know, it's been fun. I've been enjoying some of these uh, on the spoilers page. Let me tell you, we're having some interesting conversations, <laughs> putting things together. And I have to say, for anybody out there who is listening, who is not joining us on, on Discord, 
like you really want to, you need, and you've read all the series, come join us on the spoilers page because I'm going to tell you something right now. I read a theory that ties all of the three series together and it kind of made my mind go poof. Okay, well, I haven't read all the things, but I saw a thing online the other day that I went, oh, that makes more sense than what I was saying. You know how, I, and in fairness, it's probably not true either, but you know how I kept saying I didn't sign up for Star Trek? I don't need all these other planets. Somebody mm-hmm. pointed out that they don't even think it's different planets. They think it's different timelines. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, that makes a lot more fucking sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> dun dun dun. Yeah. No, it's it's this is crazy. I mean Yeah. So anyway, make it please. what? Not different if it's not different planets, it's not Star Trek. So if it's different timelines, it's what? Doctor Who, maybe? Yeah, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. <laughs> Which is fine with me. I actually kind of prefer the wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm digging that. I'm here for that. Yeah, because I'm having a hard time with different planets. <laughs> I'm and, totally here for the fairness, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. The whole Pluto isn't a planet thing. So, like, maybe I'm just not the one to talk to about planets. Okay. So you're not interplanet, Janet? From a you're a, you're not a galaxy girl? No. <laughs> I think I'll stay right here, thanks. <laughs> interplanet, Janet. She's a galaxy girl. <laughs> That's okay. Now all I can think about <laughs> If anybody made it to this part of the episode, they're like, Jesus, shut up and just say goodbye. Because <laughs> now all I can think about is real planets about the time that NASA sent a woman to the space station and they were like, okay, you're going to be gone for six days. How many tampons do you need? And they packed her like a hundred tampons and she was like, the fuck? And so a woman, like, it didn't work out exactly like that. I don't remember exactly the actual details, but it's that's a song. Right. So then one of these like TikTok type accounts, a woman wrote a song about it and she was like, remember the time that NASA sent a woman to space for only six days and they gave her 100 tampons, 100 tampons and asked, will that be enough? Oh my God. I was just happy that I worked in, you know, Schoolhouse Rocks, man. Yeah, you did good. Because I, I like my interplanet Janet. Thank you. In. I can't believe you worked that in, and I got to sing the tampon NASA song. <laughs> okay, well, all right. I uh, I I just badly sung interplanet Janet for you. <laughs> oh Jesus. Okay, yeah, I think we need to be done now. <laughs> Probably. I think I think we're all a little we're a little slap happy. I think at this point. Yeah, yeah, we got yeah. we got a good episode. So if you made it this long. Thank you. Your weird space songs. (laughs) You know about you made it this long. (laughs) Interplanet, you know about planets and wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, What is that show? Uh, They just it's they just did a remake. The guy jumps bodies and timelines. Oh damn it! (laughs) Quantum leap. Yes. Thank okay, you. do you want it? Scott Bakula. 
Scott Bakula was the original. I love him. I love him so much. It's why I can't watch the remake because it's not him. Uh, I know. Yeah, I freaking love him. I will watch anything with him in it. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, did that have a theme song? Did that theme song? No, that theme song was like like MacGyver. It's just music, right? I think so. Damn it. Okay, well, if you want to make up a theme song for that and sing it to us... (laughs) Feel free. We would love to hear it. Absolutely. Mm, Okay, we're done.